Welcome to a place where we combine equal parts science, technology, design, and entrepreneurship. Then we gradually stir in magic to the mixture, and you have the Perception Podcast. Join us in conversations with design heroes, inspirational thinkers, business leaders, and trailblazers across the globe. On this episode of the Perception Podcast, we have an incredibly creative guest for all of our listeners. Today, we're chatting with Frankly Built, a connoisseur of 3D model printing and YouTube sensation. Frankly Built has over 880,000 YouTube subscribers, and he has built a community full of 3D printing enthusiasts looking to create their own incredible models and cosplays. Best known for his life-size wearable and self-created Iron Man suits, Frankly Built has 3D printed functional suits, props, and costume pieces for superheroes, villains, and video game characters from franchises worldwide. So power up your arc reactors. It's time to learn what it takes to make the creations of Frankly Built. Welcome to the Perception Podcast. How are you, Frank? I'm doing good. Thank you for having me today. Why don't we just get started with a little bit of your story, uh, give our listeners some of your background and how you got involved with 3D printing. Um, I, I Actually, pretty easily. Um, I wanted to make an Iron Man suit. <laughs> that was kind of the whole push for it. Um, I, I grew up, you know, seeing cosplayers and stuff. I'd been to a few Comic Cons, but uh, growing up with the Marvel movies and kind of getting into it with my dad, um, we had Avengers Endgame had come out. I had been to MCM London Comic Con when I lived over there, and everything just the stars kind of aligned. And I had got walked out of the theater uh, seeing Endgame. I fell in love with his final suit, the Mark 85. And I kind of just looked around and told myself, I would love to get into cosplay. How the heck do people make these things? And after some trial and error with papercraft and Pepicura and pulling my hair out and almost quitting, I landed on 3D printing because they had just larger format 3D printers that you could have at home had just dropped around to $500. They weren't thousands of dollars anymore so it became Mm -hmm. actually viable for somebody in his garage or in his spare bedroom to get a 3d printer and start making stuff had you had you done any 3d printing prior to the iron man and the cosplay absolutely zero it was it was a massive trial by error um i don't typically recommend to people jumping into the hobby and trying to make a full suit right off the bat um but that's exactly what I did. I got the printer, made some small stuff, you know, figured the machine out. Uh, and that's what you, it's a machine. It's a tool. Um, a lot of people still think today that it's a plug and play appliance, you know, like a microwave. You get it. You plug it in. It just creates things. Not at all. <laughs> and that was, I was a, it was a wake up call with how much work had to go into it aside from just printing out the pieces. Even just printing out the pieces is a task on its own. Mm-hmm. Did you study anything in college that, you know, like engineering, architecture, anything like that? Bold of you to assume I went to college. Uh, oh. <laughs> I I was um, I don't I was military. I still am in the uh, U.S. Air Force Reserves. I did ten years active duty, but uh, no, um, high school was pretty normal. Um, had oh. a keen. Uh, I was decent at um, certain sciences, physics certain maths but i was a mechanic i was kind of a mechanic born and raised thanks to my dad actually so i was always good at working on my hands um good 
problem solving skills, good common sense skills, um, wasn't afraid to take things apart, put them back together in that, in that aspect. Um, and that greatly helped me with this hobby and more than I think I can even quantify really. <laughs> so how did your YouTube channel come about? My YouTube channel came about because there wasn't channels like it. Um, it wasn't so much, oh, I think I could make a YouTube channel and like become famous and popular off of this. It was when I was doing my research to make this suit three years ago, oh, actually almost four years ago now in July, um, July of 2019 is when I started researching for this. And I started the suit October of 2019, the first suit. There was no information. There was tons of information on forums like the RPF. Um, the replica prop form. There were a couple YouTube videos, but everybody was making them out of papercraft or foam or fiberglass. They were making them out of other mediums that took a lot more time, but had time to grow. There wasn't much information about 3D printing full suits. There was barely information about 3D printing cosplay at that point. So while scrounging around the internet, trying to piece together the little information there was, how to make the helmet open and close, what paints are people using? How the heck do you wear the thing? You know, Where do you get the files? I was failing. I was messing a lot of stuff up and I started posting around on some group, Facebook groups and I think Reddit at the time. And people were asking a lot of questions. Hey, how the heck did you, you know, sand the helmet that quickly? Because people were afraid to use power tools on 3D printed plastic because old 3D printed plastic back in 2015 and 16 was too brittle for that. The thermal deflection, it would melt it. So you couldn't use power sanders, but it's 2019. The plastic was better. So I was taking a lot of things I learned from the automotive world, uh, body work and post-processing and power tools and all of this stuff and cutting a lot of corners, really. And people were asking a lot of questions. So I figured, hey, if I'm going to sit here and screw this suit up 101 ways, I can show you finally also the 102nd way that worked and save you guys a lot of time. So I just started recording my journey, showing everything I was messing up, all the mistakes I was making, the learning, and people were really receptive to that. And then people started asking more questions and it just turned into this, this cycle and loop of just giving back, getting information, people asking questions and just making videos that way. So how do you feel your content style of, uh, of the video making has changed since you created your channel in 2019? Better cameras. <laughs> 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 that's <laughs> better quality cameras paying better attention tech. to my audio yeah better tech but as i'm sure you guys know tech does not make the channel you could make a mm -hmm. successful youtube channel off of a you know flip phone you could have the best equipment in the world and absolutely suck at it it that does not if the content isn't there it doesn't matter what you're using um but that was production value does absolutely help if you have good a good core to the video and a good purpose then you can only amplify it by your production value and you know, better equipment. Um, I started on a GoPro Hero 3. Like my original videos, they're hard to watch, uh, <laughs> but you have to start somewhere. Um, and then also just listening to my audience. Um, that was feedback I always constantly got from so many people is how the heck do you respond to so many comments? How are you answering everybody's messages on Instagram? How are you doing all of this by yourself? But I couldn't imagine not doing it. I couldn't imagine not scrolling my comment section and seeing what people are asking for. I'll post in the Facebook groups and I'm, tailor, I'm trying to tailor my content to how the hobby is growing. 3D printers have evolved. They're in their quantum leap right now of just advancing and becoming user friendly. So I don't need videos anymore showing you how to build a 3D printer. That was so 2019. But mm -hmm. now 2023, you can actually get them out of box, plug them in. You don't need to build them. 
So why am I going to make a video on that? You don't need to. So paying attention to the community and not just making content for the sake of making content, because that's the kiss of death for any channel. Um, I still love and enjoy what I'm doing. I am making stuff I want to make, but I'm paying attention to the community and using it to tailor the videos to what people are asking for. Nice. So, so the three okay. the three D printing is 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 one aspect. The other aspect is the actual um, assets, the models themselves, the parts, the pieces of these suits. Are those uh, assets that you were able to find? Did you have to create those from scratch? Talk to us a little bit about how that all came together. So I have, I can't say zero idea. I but I don't know how to three D model. I understand 3D models. You, if you're in this hobby long enough, you need to. You need to understand manipulation, meshes, depths, thicknesses. What you, there's a lot you need to understand about how a model is made up and how it is created. If sure. you can't print a model, if it has no thickness, the slicer can't understand it. Scaling, manipulating, editing. There are things you do pick up, but if you were to ask me to go and create a helmet out of scratch, I, I, uh, sorry, can't do that. <laughs> However, I do not feel I need to because there are so many people in the hobby who just 3D model. It's a hmm. it's a community. You don't need to know how to do every single thing. It's a marketplace. Thing. Exactly. Now, hmm. I work with so many different 3D modelers across the community who literally do not 3D print, who I have full conversations with back and forth after I print their model and give them feedback. Hey, this worked, this didn't, and the good modelers listen, the bad modelers rinse, repeat, and then they fade into obscurity. You, you need to have that two-way communication between a model maker and the person printing it because though the you know if two parts are meant to fit together in a 3D space, when you print them, well, now you have dimensional inaccuracies. You have thermal deflections. You have expansions. You have so many things that make those parts not fit. So right. if the modelers – so it's this constant feedback loop. And what's great, especially existing in the niche of just cosplay and props and all of that – Everyone's a nerd, and there are so many nerds out there who just love making this stuff. You know, if a new show, a game, an anime, a movie comes out, usually somebody's going to model that thing because it's cool. And mm -hmm. if if not, you can find people, you can pay people to model stuff for you. Um, I like to perfect my craft. I'm always learning how to do better and better, and I like physically making this stuff. I will let somebody who's better at 3D modeling do that because that's. But then you have at. to accommodate your own dimensions right i mean it has to fit you yes and that is aware so that's a whole other aspect of it that you yep. have to adjust and, uh, right yes so there are websites a certain website um do3d do3d they have kind of a standard model um for their helmets and that model whatever their their blank slate is just happens to be the size of my head so <laughs> when i get a helmet from them i can just print it off and it will fit and it is awesome not everybody mm -hmm. has that luxury, um, but so there are programs to manipulate and scale them up and down. You can scale them uniformly, so you can take a helmet from 100% to 200% with one click, or you can skew it in different directions. You can go even farther as to manipulate the mesh of it and actually pull and extract certain parts of it. Um, there's levels to it, you know, mm -hmm. and knowing how to do that, knowing how to these little tricks, some are hard, some are easy to print the parts out so they fit. With my first suit, I made the mistake of not doing any of that. I just printed the whole suit out at 100% scale and made it fit me afterwards because it's plastic. Like I can use a Dremel. I can use a heat gun. I can manipulate that plastic. I was more comfortable with that because I didn't know how to manipulate the model yet. Mm -hmm. 
So, uh, I mean, I'm sure you know, you know, at Perception, we design all the innovative technology for the MCU, you know, starting with Tony Stark and Iron Man 2. Have you ever attempted integrating uh, some of his technology into your models? Any any voice or, you know, attaching some rockets uh, to the feet? Like, what, what do you got going on? <laughs> um, it's, it's, a, it's funny you actually brought that up. As somebody, now I don't know if it's a scam yet because, man, the scam emails I get are amazing. Um Somebody did say they are working on a project, the uh, the human flight system where you have the rocket jets on your arms and the guy who can fly around. I think it's called Gravity Industries is the first guy to mm -hmm. do it. I'm familiar. Somebody, yeah. somebody just reached out to me saying they have a similar system that they've been developing and they want to collaborate. I have not responded to the email yet, so I it could just be some college kid thinking he's going to change the world, which sometimes they do. But um, that'd be really awesome. However, uh I'm not too keen on adding certain things like that because it's for fun and it's for cosplay. It's for conventions. It's for, mm -hmm. um, it's for family and kids and going to these events. So if you start adding certain things, people ask me to add, you know, I'll oh, put a bottle rocket or something in the wrist, put a laser in it, do this, make it out of metal. Then I can't bring it to those events. Um, they right. are cool to do. People like the Hacksmith have absolutely cornered that market. I love uh, – if you guys are familiar with him, he, he made – Yeah, he's been a guest yeah, on our he's episode. he's been a guest. Oh, he has. Oh, yeah. I got I to gotta, I gotta message him. We're friends now, and it's surreal, and I, I love James. He's such an awesome guy. Mm -hmm. um, but he that's his thing, right? Make it real. So he's adding the rockets. He's adding the lasers. He's doing that type of stuff um, where I'm – I'm making the replicas. I'm I like I enjoy making the thing, you know, the collectible or the things to help people go to the con or figure out, you know, problem solving. That's the not everybody's putting rockets in their Iron Man arm. And mm -hmm. you can go watch somebody like James do that. But if you're doing it, there are more people trying to make it for their collection or for a costume. And that's where my problem solving and tutorials come into play. Gotcha. Yeah, I think maybe maybe um Maybe not putting rockets or stuff like that uh, attached to it, but <laughs> yeah. maybe like a a see through screen so you could see like a yes a HUD or yep. something like that might be might be like the next uh, the next frontier. I have I have some steps. Yeah, the uh, obviously the faceplate opening is just always an iconic like you know mm -hmm. uh, gimmick, and people love that. Even though technically the suit I made is nanotech, so it never actually had a mechanical faceplate, but we won't get into mm -hmm. that. <laughs> I was actually going to ask you about that. You know, the the you said the Endgame suit is what inspired you. What about all the other suits in the prior movies? What about the Endgame all... suit was the one that uh, you said I have to make this one? Um, the look of it, the bulkiness of it, the story of it, his final armor, the eighty, you know, eighty fifth, mm -hmm. the name the eighty five because of the comics, and then it was reminiscent of the Ditka armor, the paint job, like everything about it just checked all the boxes for me. I looked at it because, and, and that was interesting because I wasn't really a big fan of the Mark Fifty from Infinity War. It was a great suit. It was the bleeding edge armor. I loved it. I just didn't like the all red look of it, and. When they came out with the version for Endgame, just everything about it worked. And I love the original suits. I still would love to make a Mark III and mm -hmm. have it as a statue and just have it standing. I think that'd be amazing. Mm -hmm. um, and so there are tons of really awesome suits, but just something about the 85 just stuck with me. It was my favorite. It still is my favorite suit. I'll still get people asking, hey, what's your favorite suit? It's like standing behind me. I got into this hobby to make it. I'm actually making a new one to replace this one because this one sucks because <laughs> I because I made a lot of mistakes on it. It was my first suit. I made so many mistakes on it, but I after four years in the hobby, making a couple suits, helping people make suits, 
watching people make suits. I've learned so much now. I want to remake it better than I know that, that I know I can and adding cooler things like that. Um, maybe a HUD. There are people who are doing that and there's cool VR technology and a, uh, AR technology that's out now that you can just have access to. Um, there's there it's ever evolving and I'm excited for this next go around. That's awesome. I, I watched one of your videos recently about uh, the cost of making one of these suits. Maybe you yeah. can go over a little bit of what's involved from that perspective. So the suits are more or less than what people think. It, it, it money's uh, it's it's relative, right? Um, Five hundred dollars to me might be uh, you know way more or way, way less to somebody. But uh, and first you need a printer, or first you need a medium to make it. Now you can do it out of paper craft, which it takes a lot of time, but is can be a little bit cheaper depending on the materials you use to harden it. Fiberglass is ridiculously expensive and time-consuming and hard to work with, but can be stronger. Um, EVA foam is a good medium for people to kind of get into this hobby because it's cheaper, but it can you need templates and that can be tricky to make. Um, you really just need the printer to start, and you don't need to print the whole suit out at once. Right, you can get the printer. You can save up, get the printer, two hundred and fifty, three hundred dollars for a good size printer. It's it does, it's not the smallest one. You don't need to buy the smallest one. You get the printer and you start making some stuff. You make the helmet. Uh, you make another helmet because the first helmet sucked, and then you make a glove. You make you start making the arm. So there's no commitment to having to make the full suit. I know plenty of people who give up on suits because it's a lot of work. It's it the 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 stage people quit the most is when they have to fit it to their body when they start having to walk around in it and they're realizing that oh i don't have a 28 inch waist and i'm not six foot five like you know iron man i'm an actual normal human being existing on earth i'm not shaped like that so why does this look so weird and wonky and that's a realization a lot of people actually have to make and they they think they can squeeze into it and unfortunately we're not shaped like that we're not not all of us are chris hemsworth we're not shaped like superheroes um, yeah, I know in the in the actual film they had to uh, you know they had to do a lot of it in CG because proportionally yeah. it's impossible for his legs for his a legs human being hurt. to fit in the suit as it as it's shown. Yep, the legs are too long, the waist is too skinny, um, the clipping that happens between the biceps and the chest, like there's there's a lot of things. <laughs> um, I think what after Iron in Iron Man two was the last time. It was the last time they even used a real a full practical suit, but he didn't even use the full practical suit the whole time. Half the time it was a football suit, right? And then mm -hmm. I, parts I mean, and pieces are on him and other yeah, parts yeah. and pieces are added later. Um, I found it hilarious that the suit I have actually, the Mark 85, they didn't even make a football suit for that suit. They just reused the Mark 50 from Infinity War in all of Endgame. So in the final snap, if you if the, the non-CGI version of the final snap, he's wearing the Mark 50 football suit not the 85. They just never made one. So I, I always found that funny that he wasn't even in the final suit. Um, but yeah, fitting it could be a nightmare because it's especially the 85 because it is an organic nanotech mesh. It is, it's a rubber, it's a Spider-Man suit. It's an Iron Man Spider-Man suit. It does not exist in a physical sense where the older suits, the pre 49 and down they were mechanical suits. They had joints and covers and hinges and pivot points. They were a suit of armor that you would step into and wear. So there was a lot more forgiving joints and things to move around in. You could hide things. You could make it look real. The suit behind me, the suit I made, 
it, it's a nanotech weave. It's flexible, bending, elastic metal that doesn't exist. And now I'm trying to make it out of plastic and put it on a human. Hmm. Things don't add up. <laughs> yep. Uh, the most aggravating example of it is if you go and watch Endgame, when Peter Parker finally comes back and is talking to Stark and he, Stark goes and hugs him, you can see the whole back of the suit, like his his shoulders and the backs of his triceps and lats. Everything just stretches. <laughs> it is the most aggravating thing because metal doesn't do that. So mm. covering up the gaps is a big thing too. But you want to cover the gaps in the suit, but you also want mobility. So you it's a, it, it is absolutely a one or other. You either cover all the gaps really good and you limit your mobility or you leave a lot of the gaps open so you can walk and use stairs and are comfortable. So right. it, it, it gets really tricky really fast. And then you can spend a couple hundred dollars on electronics and paint, or you can spend a couple thousand dollars on paint um, and make it look, get the same paint they used at ILM. Or uh, you, you can you can really, you can make a suit for $500. You can make a suit for $50,000. It really depends on the materials you want to use. But right. that doesn't mean it has to stop anybody from making it. You, I, my suits, I use spray paint from Walmart and AutoZone and I get electronics off of eBay and I repurpose electronics from the dollar store. You can go to the dollar store or a Halloween store or Christmas store and get cheap LEDs and rip them apart and um, problem solve that way. Um, the, the, the repulsor lights in my white suit are literal clicker lights you put in the closet because they work and they, mm -hmm. they look great. They're super bright. They actually have cool details inside of them. Um, so you don't need to just, oh, I need to spend a thousand dollars on the suit. No, you don't. You can, but you don't. Yeah. There was a place when I was growing up, you, I don't know if you've heard of it, but, uh, it was called Radio Shack. And in <laughs> my, in my brain, I was just like, I'm going to go to Radio Shack and buy everything I need to build this. Yep. I but, wish, uh, I wish Radio Shack was still around. I know. Um, I think maybe there's one in the world. I don't even know anymore. <laughs> Micro Center is a good place actually, but there's none. Mm -hmm. the, the nearest one is four hours from me. So oh. Amazon it is. <laughs> that's you put the suit on you fly over you'd be there in 20 minutes right right yeah <laughs> so what has been your most challenging uh costume piece or prop to 3d print has it been the iron man suit or uh maybe? yeah it, it's 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 the obvious answer of course yeah um okay. things are constantly breaking or i want to upgrade something or make this fit better so yeah the suit's because they're a collection of parts. One individual part on it, they're actually pretty easy to print, all things considered. They're cylinders or flat plates, and you print them and sand them and throw them together. Um, Prop-wise, though, I, I've made a lot of swords from animes and mangas, so six, seven-foot giant swords. Those can be tricky to print because you need to print them in multiple parts, get them mm -hmm. together, make them look seamless, put some rods or reinforcements inside of them. Um, some of them have impossible paint jobs that color shift and do all this weird stuff. So every, I just like, I just made a blue beetle helmet and it, the movie is not even out. So getting a good reference for the paint job was a pain. Um, but it was fun. It's fun to, especially when you get to kind of be one of the first people to try to replicate one of these things from the movie. Cause I don't have the contacts who actually made the hero suit for the movie. I, that'd be great, but you get the reference photos you can, and you try to just get it to look as close as possible. So obviously so, you're you're um you know you're involved in the Comic Con scene. Um does that you know you you mentioned making swords and and, and blue beetle uh helmet. Does that impact the types of models that you're creating? Being involved, you mean like 
Yeah, or does do, do you get requests like uh, to people that are at the shows like, hey, would you be able to make me a um, you know Iron Man helmet oh, gotcha. or you know things like that? Does oh. it do, do you do you kind of do, do you make time. things for? Oh, you do. Okay. Oh no, well, I mean I get that question all the time. I gotcha. say no ninety nine percent of the time. Okay. Um, I have an Etsy shop. I have sold a couple extra helmets, uh, you know, an, an Iron Man print here and there, Red Hood print. Um, uh, never sell anything that says Batman in the name. Uh, they will, that's, he'll take you down real quick. Warner brothers mm. does not play around. Um, <laughs> but I don't like doing it. It's, I could, I know very well, I could shut down my social media right now, pull back to Etsy and put out Mando helmets and motorized Iron Man helmets. And I've been offered a thousand dollars for my green goblin helmet. I don't want to make another one. So no, I'm not going to sell you that green goblin helmet. <laughs> I don't, I'm not in this to make money. I'm comfortable with my life. I'm happy where I'm at. I can pay my mortgage. I can feed my family. I'm good. I'm happy. And the time it takes me to make 10 more Iron Man helmets to sell on my Etsy, I could have made 10 new helmets and made videos about them and had fun doing it instead of making the same thing over and over and over again. I don't mm -hmm. want to do that. I could. I could be very good at it. I don't want to. So, so if, if you could design a suit for any superhero film, what superhero would you want to build a suit for that you haven't built one for yet hmm. that's a good question oh, oh. batman oh. has some pretty cool suits <laughs> yeah batman yeah. batman definitely has some pretty cool suits the iron man ones are uh, you know that they're pretty obvious um but yeah batman there's a lot of batman armors like the hell bat mm -hmm. oh man yep that i don't think we'll ever see that on screen but oof, that'd be they'd have to do a lot of work in the dcu to get us to mm -hmm. <laughs> uh to bruce wayne you know getting the hell bat armor and yeah um that'd be amazing to do any any super villains Ooh, super villains hmm you don't think about them too much. Iron Monger. Yeah. The I, first yeah. Iron Man would be pretty insane. Yeah, that's a lot uh, of uh that's a lot of um 3D printing. Lot of printing. <laughs> that's a lot, yeah. The uh um, like three times. I think it's like month. I think it's the God Killer Two, the God Killer Mark II armor. Mm -hmm. That well, it's one of the Asgardian Uber armors that Stark made. Um there are a couple of really deep cuts. The mark I think it's the model forty five deep space unit. Like there are mm -hmm. so many so many That's iconic quick run. Yeah. Um, I'm just curious oh. about your about your uh, your comic uh fandom. Uh how long have you been a comic fan? Uh when did you start reading comics? Because you seem to know a lot of the uh the lore of all these the characters. Yeah. So I uh I'll out myself here. I didn't grow up a comic book fan at all. I actually didn't hmm. start even dabbling into them until I really started making my suit. I grew up an MCU fan. My dad was the comic book that fan. That got you in. That was the gateway. That was the. That was it. So when I didn't want to go, I didn't really even care to go see the first Iron Man movie, um, the 2008, right? Um, yeah. 2009. And uh, my dad wanted to. He's like, hey, you know, I didn't know who Robert Downey. No one really knew who Robert Downey Jr. was really. Um, not for good reasons, at least. And uh, he was like, hey, you want, bud, you want to go see this movie with me? He grew up with the comics. He knew, you know, he he wasn't like a massive super fan, but he grew up in the 70s and stuff, and he liked comics. So we went and saw the first Iron Man movie, and I was I like every, you know, 15, 16-year-old kid who left that movie theater, I want an Iron Man suit. Cool. Good luck, mm -hmm. bud. <laughs> um, so as the movie started to come out, I'll never forget him 
I'll never forget sitting there and we saw a preview of the first Captain America movie or if we saw an announcement on TV. Um, it was like, oh yeah, for Captain America, first Avenger. And my dad was like, I can't imagine how they're going to make a 1940s Captain America movie. Like he was just a Nazi killer. Like he was, how are they going to bring this to the, and they did. They, they, you knew it was about Germany in World War II, but they shifted it enough to make it friendly ish. And so mm -hmm. he would, he would talk about the comics and growing up with them. And oh, this is where that character came from. And this is the Hulk and blah, blah, blah. Um, and I would tell him about the movies. And we had this kind of like, we had our ins and outs. I think every father son kind of did. Um, but that kind of gave us a little bit of a bonding point, which was always nice. And was uh, there ever a debate like which was better, the comic version or the movie version, that kind of thing? No, not Between really. you and your dad. Um, no, he was he wasn't like he wasn't that much of a, a, a super fan about it. Um, he enjoyed them. It was it was we could always go and if we couldn't, uh, he had some health and medical problems, um, so he couldn't always make it to the movies to see the premiere or something with me. But uh, we you know we'd sit down and watch and you know we'd, we'd talk about it and he'd enjoy them and um, he loved Guardians of the Galaxy when that came out. I think we all did um, the way they were able to pull that one off and make us care about the five most obscure characters in the MCU. Uh, <laughs> so it, it was, yeah, it was a nice little bonding kind of mutual thing just to hang out, wait for the movies to come out. Endgame came out. Um, I was living over in England when that came out and uh, he was uh, back in, he was actually living in Florida at the time. Um, so we kind of talked on the phone about it and all that. And uh, he was still around when I started the suit. So I showed him some of the, I just got into 3d printing that summer but then uh, he passed away in October when I was like kind of really starting to dig into the suit. So he never got to see it finished. Um, mm. But that he's the reason I got into it. I mean, he's absolutely the reason I got interested in it. I mean, so nice. yeah, it was, That's cool. it, was uh, it, it was something. It was, yeah. It's been, and then after getting into the, the movies, I wanted to learn more about it. I love, I'll take, I'll take a shortcut. Sometimes I'll read some Wikipedia, Wikipedia articles about, you know, just certain lore. Cause finding going, through all of the comics can be very daunting sometimes, especially with connected universes. Um, but then running through certain comic runs, uh, Thanos wins. If anybody listening hasn't read that one, Ooh, buddy, that one's amazing. <laughs> so, you know, at, at perception, we're always uh, trying to think about, uh, you know, the future. And this is, you know, even in our films and our technology projects, we do both, you know, we're trying to look ahead to see how technology can inspire the future. And obviously, you know, you went to go see the films and inspired you to get that 3d printer and start doing what you're doing, which is really cool. Um, how do you feel 3d printing can help change the game for, you know, costume design, entertainment, any other emerging technologies? I, it already has. Right. Um, mm. There are already 3D printing models. Repetition. You don't need to have um, handcrafted live action parts anymore. Like you can replicate a mass replication is a, a huge part of it. Being able to digitize model something once 3D scan it and then you could reprint that thing. You can cast that thing. You can mold that thing. You, you have the ability to forever save an item or object that somebody handmade to perfection or 3d model to perfection and you can replicate it infinitely um it, and it allows it frees up people to not do the monotonous thing um i know ai has played a big part in eliminating the need to rotoscope everything by hand for you guys mm -hmm. <laughs> 
So things like still that doesn't are, come out as great, but we'll let that. Yeah, one go. of course. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> there's no, there's always the artist touch. I'm, I'm a huge corridor digital fan. I, so I, I've, I, I understand how everything's evolving and just the whole movie industry, and it, it's mm-hmm. incredible. It, and it can free up people to do the cooler stuff or the more artistic stuff where a lot of the monotonous stuff can be removed. Right. Um, being, well, I know, I mean, that, you I'm know, more... they also 3D print, you know, um, homes now. And yep. I'm, I'm curious, yep. have you ever 3D printed like the silliest thing that like, I don't know, like a a, a piece to your car that might have broke and you're like, you know what, I'm just going to find a 3D model. I'm going to 3D print it and it's going to be working again. Something Tony Stark would actually do, you know? Yeah, you're right. Um if I'm being honest, I think I can count on two hands the amount of functional things I've 3D printed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah. I, I'm looking at an SD card holder right here. Um, I've made some. I, okay, I've made a lot of pegboard hooks for my garage. There is a abundance of models for those. Um, so yeah, I, I printed my wife like you know a bookmark because she just she needed one. Um, just little things, mm-hmm. but that's what I love about this hobby because. I had a sixth grade science teacher during COVID. I would do a lot of zoom calls and like um, instructional classes for schools and kids. Teachers would reach out and be like, Hey, can you give a talk or teach my class how to use a 3d printer via zoom? Sick. Let's do it. Um, uh, uh, I got off a call and this, I mean, this teacher talked for a little while. He's like, you are the best liar for this hobby. And I'm like, I was so confused at the time, but he was like, if I was to walk into my science class tomorrow and be like, hey, guys, you want to learn about Arduino coding and uh, gears and servos, they would glaze over in their eyes and maybe one or two of them would be interested, but they really wouldn't care or retain anything. And he's like, here comes you with an Iron Man helmet. Hey, guys, you want to make an Iron Man helmet? And it's shiny and fancy on the outside. And then they, by the time they come out the other end, they've learned how to use a 3D printer. They've learned 3D model manipulation. They've learned Arduino coding a little bit. They've learned painting and sanding and handwork and a little bit. Of, and you've been able to hide and mask all this stuff behind the Iron Man mask. So you're getting people to learn on accident. And I, I really took that to heart with the direction my channel started to take because I know I'm not, you know, I'm not Veritasium teaching you something that's just incredible and mind blowing. But if I can get some kids understanding a 3D printer that they are now not afraid to use for school and then eventually maybe college, it's it's just a tech, it doesn't have to make Iron Man helmets. It doesn't have to make Mandalorian helmets. It can make anything. You are literally just limited by your imagination right now. Yeah, I mean they're they're 3D printing organs. It's incredible. It is incredible. They're 3D technology. printing hearts. I I'm very aware of where things I like sit. that. Yep. I'm very aware of where I sit in the hobby in terms of like niche and I'm the entertainment side. But if I can entice people to get into the hobby and then they can do what they want with it, then mm-hmm. that, that's important to me. Um, and I have, I, if I can have fun with it and make it look cool while doing it, yeah, let's let's do it. Why not? Yeah. So what advice would you give someone who's interested in starting their own YouTube channel? Do it do it do it do it sooner do it sooner than you think stop worrying you don't even need to be on camera there are so many successful youtube channels where somebody is not even on camera they're a floating disembodied voice they wear a mask they're a set of hands over a, a cut mat you don't even need to be on camera if you don't like your voice you can change it you can just get the content out there um somebody in a video a long time ago said uh you're gonna hate your first 200 videos and i think i had like 50 videos out at the time and i'm like no way no he's right you're gonna hate your first like 200 you're gonna look back and be like 
what was I on? And <laughs> but you need to get them out there. You need to make the bad before you can make the good. Nobody, nobody starts a YouTube channel and just wins and is successful. Um, you need to just do it. Find your niche. Do it because you want to. Don't do it because you want a million subscribers. You won't get them. Don't do it because you're trying to make a living off of it. No, do it because you like it. If you are passionate about it, everything else will naturally follow. You just need to enjoy it. You need to be genuine because it is so easy to tell in a YouTube video when somebody just doesn't enjoy what they're doing that this being disingenuine from it, it, it bleeds through and it just feels fake. And that's the quickest way to kill. Or they're trying to take a shortcut to just get to the million followers and that's it that's it youtube checks in the mail yep and just youtube youtube checks do not just pay the bills unless you're someone like mark rober or mr beast like then you're fine Mm -hmm. but (laughs) they have the youtube algorithm filled figured out the rest of us yeah like (laughs) you you it's it's hard work there's a lot of behind the scenes there's a lot of research day in and day out that's it just editing the videos alone i mean so many people pay people to edit their videos it is it is absolutely right but you can have you like I said in the beginning. You can have a successful YouTube channel with an iPhone. You 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 can just get the stuff out there. Start seeing what people are receptive to. You can't review the analytics if you don't have analytics to review. So get the videos out there. See what people are clicking on. See what people are clicking off. When are you getting boring? Where's the dead air? Where's the monologue? does that actually you know? guide your content? Do you 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 take that feedback and does that oh, does that have, guide the kind to. of uh... Yeah, you absolutely have to. Uh, after 24 hours, I'll immediately go into my analytics of a new video. How were people searching it? Were they searching it like my man? I just did a Mandalorian video, and the number one search result for people finding that video was Mandalorian helmet. Cool, nailed it. Mm-hmm. Perfect. You know, like that's what you want. Um, watch the. You can see where people's retention's falling in videos, where they're clicking off. Why was that part boring? Watch it. If you can't, I will say YouTube is not for everybody. If you can't take criticism and feedback. Maybe stay away, but you, <laughs> need, you need to be able to. You 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 absolutely need to, need to be able to. Re- yep. Like, oh, I'm making these videos. Why aren't people watching? Maybe you're boring. I, I mean, there's that, that. Sometimes that happens. What are you doing? Watch other people's videos. What are they doing differently? You know, you need to be able to review yourself, and you really need to get used to listening to yourself on camera when you edit videos because you're gonna make some gross sounds you never knew about. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So, uh, Frank, uh, tell our uh, listeners, our followers, um, and, and people that don't know, know much about you, where they can find you. You know, share all that, uh, all all the platforms they can find you on. Find me on YouTube, uh, frankly built. Um, that's my bread and butter. I love my YouTube channel. I am a YouTuber. TikTok and Instagram were a side effect of that. Um, but if you're interested in learning about 3D printing, even if you don't like Marvel or DC or comics, you I have videos that are just about 3D printing. Um, but I, I can help you get started. I, I can promise you that much. Well, that's great. Well, we appreciate you, uh, taking time out to be on the show. Yeah. Um, thank you, you know, so much fans. for coming on. No, thank you. Thank you guys for having me. This is really cool. Yeah. And maybe, I'm actually uh, from, I'm okay. actually from New Jersey. <laughs> oh, nice. Oh, well, really? If you're ever what in the about? neighborhood, you should come by. I, Where'd you go? I, I grew up uh, near Long Beach Island. Okay. So the shore. Yeah. Yep, I'm down in North Carolina nice. right now, but yep, I got family. I got family up there. I'm I'm not there too frequently, but uh, I may may take you guys up in that offer one day. <laughs> yeah, come on by. Awesome. But you got to bring you got to bring an Iron Man suit though. You can't get in without the Iron Man suit. <laughs> Deal. <laughs> Deal. <laughs> oh no, 
<laughs> well, once again, we really appreciate it, and uh, good luck to you in the future. And we'll uh, we'll talk soon. Thank you. You got you too. Thank you very much. Thanks, Frank. All right, take care, Frank. Bye. And that wraps up another episode of the Perception Podcast. As always, send any questions and comments to ask at experienceperception.com. Make sure you follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and our YouTube channel. Sign up for our weekly newsletter on our site, experienceperception.com slash contact. Lastly, if you enjoyed this podcast, please go to iTunes and write a nice review. See you on the next episode. Thank you.